Welcome back to The Look and Sound of Leadership, an ongoing series of executive coaching tips designed to help you be perceived in the workplace the way you want to be perceived. I'm Tom Henschel, your executive coach, and today we're talking about executive gender bias. Can we talk about Carmen? asked Paul. This was only our fourth coaching session. I was enjoying him immensely. Paul was creative director in a global marketing division. He and I had bonded quickly over a shared history of having performed in theater during our younger days. About Carmen, he continued, A promotion is coming up in three or four months, and it should be hers. I want it to be hers, but I'm afraid she's taking herself out of the running. How? I asked. First, you have to know that Carmen's fantastic. She's been my right hand for two years now. Her work is beyond excellent, even though sometimes she thinks it's not. If she says she's going to do something, she does it, even if it kills her. She's smart, and she always works in the best interest of the company. Sounds great, I said. So why wouldn't she get the promotion? Well, I am not the only decider. Which puts Brad into play? And Brad is... Carmen's peer. Been here about eight months, made a big splash. He hits my doorway at least once a week. He's always got an idea to bounce off me or wants to know if I have new ideas to share with him. I've probably heard more ideas from Brad in his eight months than I have from Carmen in her two years. And look, let's be honest, a lot of his ideas are crap. But I love that. The more ideas, the better. And Brad lets them fly. Not just with me, either. He does it with everyone on the floor. Oh, boy, I said. This story is going to be such a bummer. What do you mean? I can predict the end, and it's not a happy one. Why not? I leaned forward. It's a variation on the old boy-meets-girl story, except in this case, boy and girl show up together, there's only one seat at the table, the boy gets it. He made a sour lemon face. Oh, you really think it'll play out that way? I nodded. It happens all the time, and I bet it's going to happen here. Well, then help me stop it, he said seriously. I didn't know where to begin. I sorted my thoughts for a moment and then said, I don't know if you can stop it, Paul. This is bias. It's not conscious stuff. Carmen is doing perfect, valuable, dedicated girl behavior, and Brad is doing perfect, fearless, slightly entitled boy behavior. And the bias leans towards the boy behavior, not the girl behavior. That's what all the studies tell us. He was nodding before I finished, ready with his own ideas. Like blind auditions. I had a roommate who was an oboist. At all his big auditions, he always performed behind a screen because of bias. It was, I don't know, the 70s, I think, when orchestras started doing blind auditions because women never got the jobs. And then blind auditions come in. Lo and behold, women suddenly get hired all the time. I replied with a story of my own. It's like the Henry and Henrietta resumes, I said. Studies like this have been done over and over. Two profiles are created for one job opening. The profiles are virtually identical, except one has a male name, the other female. And people overwhelmingly pick the male profile. Even women pick the male profile. I shook my head. The deck is stacked against women. It really is, which is why Brad will probably get the promotion. Well, if I can stack the deck in Carmen's favor, I will. I don't dislike Brad. I just don't think it's his turn yet. I want Carmen to get it. So what can I do? I settled back and said, 
Tell me a little more about her. Aside from the fact that she's great? Okay, how about this? When we're in a meeting together, if it's ours to run, she always, always, always sits right next to me. Everyone knows she is my go-to person. But when she has something to say in those meetings, she still raises her hand before she talks. I mean, come on, really? Is this a hand-raising sort of culture, I asked, doubting that it was. He laughed at the idea. Hardly. Look, I don't mean to make her sound dorky. She's not. She's just polite, kind of under the radar, but fantastic. Like our one-on-ones, nine times out of ten, she shows up with an agenda. If she doesn't have one, she apologizes. And then, boy, you should hear the way she drives through the list. She rocks it. And she's not all work all the time. She's fun to be with. Well, a little guarded. She always seems to remember that I'm the boss. I think she has some idea about what's polite or correct. I nodded and said, she's a good girl. I put air quotes around good girl. Boy, is she ever, he agreed. But why should being a good girl be a bad thing? Doesn't that suck? Big time, I agreed. So let's try and stack the deck. What have you told her so far? Well, I've asked her to speak up more in meetings whether I'm there or not and stop raising her hand. And she's gotten better a little. It's hard for her, but she's doing it a little. Wow, Paul, I said admiringly. That is perfect coaching. Is it? he asked, a little surprised. Most bosses don't do that sort of behavioral coaching, Paul. Forcing participation is a perfect challenge when someone is trying to change good girl behavior. He smiled and asked, You've been down this road before? I have coached a boatload of good girls, I answered. Even when women reach the senior levels, they often have good girl behavior lurking inside them. Even they sometimes need a nudge or a kick to speak up more often. I shook my head and continued, But there's this weird double bind. On the one hand, there are lots of studies that say women consistently underrate their performance compared to men. Like negotiating salaries, right? he said. Well, yeah, that too. When they negotiate for themselves, women leave more money on the table than men. That's true. But I was talking about when men and women are asked to rate their performance on a task or a test, something like 85% of the men will say they think they did well, but only like 60% of the women say that. But of course, their actual performance is virtually the same. Men don't perform better. They just think they do. Well, that's a confidence issue, Paul said. Like the speaking up is a confidence issue. Ugh, oh, this is really complex, isn't it? So what's the other side of the double bind? Okay, on the one hand, women underrate themselves. So it's logical that they might worry about participating, right? Because they think they won't do well. And by the way, Ask the women in your life. Ask what messages they got when they were schoolgirls. Almost always I hear, be a good girl and, and don't bother people and be nice. So it's no surprise that they keep a lower profile than someone like Brad. But the bind comes when we look at the studies that show how women get evaluated not by themselves, but by others. For example, a business school ran an experiment. They asked men and women to rank the performance of CEOs who were talkative. A talkative executive who was male got ranked high. A talkative female executive who talked the exact same amount as the man was ranked low, even by the women. So 
The bind is that even when women push themselves to participate, they can get dinged for it. That's insane, said Paul. He looked away, thinking. After a moment, he wondered out loud, Am I wrong to want Carmen to be more bold? Am I just asking her to be like Brad? Is that my bias showing? I didn't reply. Paul continued to reflect. But I really think she needs to be more bold. You said yourself, male behavior gets rewarded. So if she wants that promotion, I think she's going to have to be more bold. When I remained silent, he asked, Don't you think so? I paused before answering. When I finally spoke, I shared a bit of my personal story with him. Yeah, Paul, I think Carmen would benefit from being more bold. But I think sometimes we send mixed signals about being bold. I know I've struggled over this with one of my daughters who's a climber. A climber like mountains? <laughs> like anything. Roofs, walls, and I mean two-story walls. And uh, forget trees. She goes so high you can't even see her anymore. She's always been a climber since she was tiny. So there I am on the ground, wanting her to be bold, being proud of her. But every part of me wants to shout, be careful. And I know she can see it on my face. And now she's old enough to tease me about it. The be careful message is there. But Tom, anybody would be nervous with their kid up that high. I don't think that's about whether she's a boy or a girl. Maybe, I said, but it's still a mixed signal. And because she is a girl, I don't think she needs to hear me say, be careful. I think she needs to hear me say, be bold. I could tell he was excited. He said, well, that's what I want for Carmen. I want her to be bold. Is there something I could read that would help me be a better coach for her? I told him my top two reads in this area. One, an article that I felt would provoke his thinking and be something to discuss with Carmen. The other, a book that would engage him and give him some tools. I will tell you, the listener, both of them, in a minute. Then I said, here's my advice, Paul. Flood her with feedback. Now, yes, of course, tell her when you want her to be more bold. That's good. But also, be sure to tell her when she did just fine. I promise you she worries. I've never met Carmen, but I am willing to bet after she speaks up or does something that feels bold to her, she worries about it. Guys don't, so it doesn't occur to us to give that kind of feedback. But if she knows that the sky didn't fall when she acted boldly, it'll help keep her going. Give her more thumbs up than seem reasonable to you. Because my bias would tell me there's nothing to worry about at all, right? Exactly. It's not even on your radar, but it's on hers. This is great, he said, actually rubbing his hands together with excitement. I was hopeful that with Paul's partnership, Carmen would achieve the look and sound of leadership. This episode has been different from every one I've ever done over the past ten years. Why? Well, during this episode, you heard me reference any number of studies and research. Consequently, the HTML and PDF and online versions of this episode have actual citations, like a term paper. That is something I have never done before. The online print versions of this episode have over a dozen links to various articles about the studies and research on gender bias. I think you will find it surprising and mind-expanding and absorbing reading. If you don't know how to find the online version, hang in there, I'll tell you in just a second. But first, 
Here are the two resources I recommended to Paul. One is an article, one's a book. The article is by Anne-Marie Slaughter. Among other things, she was the first female director of policy planning at the State Department. In the summer of 2012, after she left her position at the State Department and fled back to her leadership role at Princeton University, she wrote an article for The Atlantic called Why Women Still Can't Have It All. It is a very thoughtful, very provocative read, and not just for women, but for anyone who has women in their lives. Search online for The Atlantic, Why Women Can't Have It All. The book is called The Confidence Code, The Science and Art of Self-Assurance, What Women Should Know. It's by Katty Kay and Claire Shipman. The book is a friendly, conversational guide through the current social science about women. Along the way, the authors make some fascinating connections. They also make great recommendations for building confidence and self-assurance. Again, the book is not just for women, but for anyone who has women in their lives. For me, helping women succeed in the workplace is a topic that is very close to my heart. As I said to Paul, I really have coached boatloads of women. And consequently, there are a lot of episodes of The Look and Sound of Leadership that reflect conversations I've had with my women clients. If helping women succeed in the workplace is important to you, five additional episodes you might listen to are Assertion versus Aggression, Dealing with Emotional Responses, Gravitas, The Look and Sound of Self-Esteem, and Women as Powerful Communicators. Writing this episode really brought into focus how important it is to me to help women develop in the workplace. And as a result, I've created a whole new search category in the online archive for the coaching tips. The new category is called For Women. But hold on, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. If you're a first-time listener, you need to know that there are well over 100 past episodes of The Look and Sound of Leadership. They're available through iTunes and Stitcher, but they are also always available to you for free in the online archive that I mentioned. It's on the website for my executive development firm. The firm is called Essential Communications. The URL is EssentialCom.com. That's EssentialCom with two M's. Com. Click the tab called Coaching Tips. That takes you to the archive. If you want to see the links in this episode to all the research, just open the online version of this episode, which is called Executive Gender Bias. If you want to sort all the tips into categories, you can do that too. Some of the categories are Executive Presence and Leadership, and now the new one for Women. In that category are tips that, over the years, women tell me they have particularly resonated with. Any of the tips can be downloaded as a PDF so you can save it for yourself or forward it to others. If you'd like to receive the email version of the Executive Coaching Tips, when you're on the website, just hit the subscribe button. It's on every page. I would love to add you to the distribution list. To all of you who post reviews for the podcast or who send me emails, Thanks. It's great to be in touch with you. Until next time, I'm Tom Henschel. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>